The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Good evening and welcome to the Drive Alive show here on Fresh FM. We are back broadcasting live from Founders Park here in Nelson on this spring evening. And to be honest, it doesn't feel very spring-like. I think winter's making a second attempt at the moment, but hopefully you're staying warm and dry. So, uh, just before we get into our show proper... Thank you to MPD Fuels for sponsoring us as always. Do call into their fuel stations around the region to get excellent value for money, smelly stuff to put in your petrol tank. Assuming you have one, of course. I know a lot of you don't have Hey, NPD's the place to go to. So, uh, last show we were playing some of my favorite driving music of the more evocative flavor this show we are back to interviewing a uh, knowledgeable local from the transport sector and uh, we've got a specific event to advertise tonight so without further ado i will welcome to the studio keith swift welcome keith good evening Stephen. Uh, thank you having me uh, on board with uh, fresh m um, and the opportunity to uh, put our uh, transport fest on the air. Yes. So, do tell us about um, transport fest and where it's happening and why it's happening and all how you came to be involved in it as well. Actually. Okay. Well, the transport fest is being held at Higgins Park, and uh, Higgins Park is in um, uh, Wakefield and uh, what is involved is a family show which occurs on the 1st and 2nd of October October, uh, with a huge array of interesting um, exhibitions and uh, demonstrations for family and for children to uh, to join in with right. So this 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 isn't just for petrol heads like you and me. I suspect this is this is going to be enjoyed by by a wider group and stuff. Yes, we uh, try and cover a, a whole array of things. For instance, we're going to have shearing taking place of uh, hand shears and machine shears, so oh, that people right. can see shearing taking place. That's one of the interesting side events that's taking place. And um, 
We'll have knife making, for instance. So it's not entirely transparent. Not entirely transparent. Okay. Because mm. it's a bit a bit early for shearing, isn't it? Or, or some well, we have some sheep that are uh, they've grown there well a little earlier, especially for our transport fairs. That's so very helpful of them. It was, yeah. <laughs> in fact, we even have a sheep truck which has been steam cleaned out, and people can take the stairs and walk up inside the sheep truck to have a look and see how sheep travel in the district. All right, just don't go down the other side because you might get a haircut if you're not careful. Absolutely then. true. Yeah. Okay, so that so we've got sheep shearing, knife making as well. You said there. Yes, yes, but um, there's a whole array of things that are happening. Um, we have an operation, an operating sawmill, All and right. um, there'll be some logs cut, and people will be able to see some uh, early um, demonstrations of logs breaking down and and then uh, cut into. Um, sizes that will later become 4 by 2s as we might call them or 6x1s right, yep. or whatever the uh, sawmiller decides to to cut. So that's another aspect of uh, demonstrations that are taking place. But of course alongside that um, we have a large display of very big trucks which will help the petrol heads uh, and um, or the diesel heads uh, and the diesel oh, heads yeah. as it were um, and they're coming from far and wide and and near and far and just the other day we had uh, a request that we uh, would we be able to display three large trucks which are going to be driven from Christchurch to right. our show they'd seen our show advertised and they thought they would like to come and join us and by the sounds of it these trucks have been restored and the cost of restoration of a truck is astronomical but wow. people do still do it as as anyone who's restored a car will know they're they're pretty expensive things yeah a bit of a labor of love they are indeed that one so are, are these articulated trucks or uh, are they the articulation of trucks now it takes the form of trailers generally speaking oh yeah of course so um the there's truck and trailer units um we are very fortunate that we have in our museum at higgins park a truck which was restored by Hino and given to us on permanent loan and it's a 1956 Hino logging truck the very first one that was given to uh, the well brought into the country for carrying logs and we're going to give kids a ride in it so they'll be able to climb up and drive around the Higgins Park complex in um, the logging truck. That's not the only rides we're offering as well. Oh, right. So what, what other rides have well, you got going we, now? Well, we have a school kids? bus which we restored. It's about a 1929 model school bus, and it came out of Tapawera. We try and take vehicles for restoration from our local area. Oh, yeah. And the school bus was um, restored uh, in its... Um, it was actually quite derelict, and it it was designed for carriage of kids. If you sit in it, you'll realise that your knees sort of come up around your ears if you're an adult, but for children it was perfectly good. And it has quite a history because one of um, our restorers, an upholsterer, actually used to go to school in it as a, a young person really? and, and admits wow. actually smoking 
a cigarette down the back <laughs> and her name is actually carved on a seat down the back so we know that it's it's a true story is, is she making up for it then she's i gonna, think she's, she's making up because she did all re- the upholstery for us wow and um it, it was a gift to the museum but credit to her it, yeah the the company that um owns it is from out of tapawera and they recently had a 150 year uh, no it'd be a hundred year um anniversary in which they took the bus back and put it on display um and somebody even went to the bother of making a cake identical to the shape of the truck <laughs> of the <laughs> bus sorry and uh they had a great old time with it and it's in our it's in right. our museum there. Oh, lovely! So that will be a chance for the kids to. The ride kids around. will be given rides around the wow. the concourse. I can that. hear some kids making some cheeky comments to their mums and dads at this point, and sort of, oh, did you used to ride around in this, then dad or mum or something? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So that sounds uh, good. So we've got buses, we've got trucks. Yes, and. Um, the other rides will be on the Sunday the traction engine fires up that's the steam engine and that has a large trailer and the kids can ride and so can uh, family members ride around the concourse in uh, in style in this rather large trailer towed by a traction engine wow so we also have jigger rides so there's a railway line runs around the perimeter of the property Okay, so I'm going to show my ignorance here. What's a jigger ride? A jigger is a very small train. It sits on the railway oh, uh, lines, okay. which are standard railway lines. They can there's a fee has to be paid to keep this railway line legal. Um, oh. But uh, the jigger is just a small maintenance vehicle that that was ah. powered by a small engine. Okay, so this is not like the railway at Modellers Pond. That no, uh, this, no, this, this is, is bigger than that. This is a, a lifelike. Um, machine which is quite small about right. the size of a, a reasonable quad bike and it goes around on the railway lines okay but kids can have a ride so can mum and dad Neat. and grandparents have a ride and so, so there's lots on a of stuff operating then and it's not just a not just a passive go around and look then it's a no no there's lots of things happening um and uh we we try and make it family-oriented, the whole thing. Yep. So there's something interesting going on for all and sundry. Okay. So, um, and presumably there's going to be food stuff because it's going from, what what times is it running yes. from on the 1st to the 2nd? It's going uh, from We start at 10 a.m. Yeah. And we finish at 4 in the afternoon, both Monday, uh, sorry, both Saturday and Sunday yep. of the 1st and 2nd of October. So I keep saying the date so people yep, can good. remember it but it, there's there's food provided there's um the, the proverbial sausage sizzle and oh, yeah. um, uh, hamburgers there's cups of teas uh, we have f-post um sales available and there's a raft of prizes that can be won one of which will be to see who can tow a truck uh, a, a reasonably lightweight heavy truck it is uh, and a competition to see who three people can tow the quickest. Tow the quickest? Uh, tow the quickest uh, along a given distance. So oh. We've got to work the distance out yet, but it'll be on a hard <laughs> service and uh, there'll be someone sitting in the truck who see, can stop. I, I thought you were going to have like a trailer reversing competition then because I just got I just got my Kiwi citizenship like a few weeks ago, so I should now just 
be able to reverse a trailer perfectly. Yes. I think all Kiwis can do that, can't they? They certainly can. Uh, some can do it better than others, <laughs> um, especially if you watch at any boat ramp. It's fun. Yes, that's, some, that's sort of mm. afternoon entertainment, isn't it? So a, yeah. that could be for another show, having a trailer backing competition. I can see... Um, the odd jackknife happening here, but uh, <laughs> this, this is how this is this is uh, what's it like speed towing then? Yes, it's not so much speed towing, but um, who who can pull it? Shall we say the quickest? We don't want any speed involved, but there will be a, a, a time limit on it, and uh-huh. we will time it to see who can manage it the quickest. So that so hang on, are they doing this in a vehicle or are they doing it them? As in, you know, physically. They're physically, oh, they're pulling, physically pulling, pulling a truck with a rope. Right. Okay. Right. So that's that's uh, how it's going to be done, and we're not pushing a truck. No. Um, they don't have to do it with their teeth or anything. It's just no. literally right. Okay. Well, this is going to be a challenge for some. Then I can see. Yeah. It'll. It'll. Well, we haven't tried this before, but we thought we'd throw this one in for good fun and see see how it got. And then we've got a slow ride for the kids on a push bike to see who can go the slowest oh, that over is a certain hard. distance. That is hard. I've tried that. And presumably without putting your foot down. If you put your foot down, you're out, aren't you? Kind of thing. Correct. Yeah, that, that is uh, There's hard. prizes for everything, and uh, we've got raffles. Uh, oh, yeah. There's some very good uh, prizes have been donated to us to um, uh, offer to our our visitors, and uh, we have a silent auction and ordinary raffles, and there's a spinning wheel for chickens, frozen chickens, which always <laughs> proves to be <laughs> very, very popular. Ah, spin a fr- take home a frozen chicken. So, yeah, by the time, if you're out of Wakefield, I think most, yeah, you could probably get it back in time okay you would. to most places. Let's hope so, you? Anyway. Let's hope so, yes. So that's all happening out at Wakefield, 1st and 2nd of October, 10 till 4 each day. Yes, um, on the 1st and 2nd of October. Okay. Now, it's Pigeon Valley Road. Yep. And the park is Higgins Heritage Park. Yep. And um, I can tell you a little bit about the park it was yes actually do that yes it was formed by the higgins family who are local wakefield people around the 1970s as i can find yeah and initially it was to pursue an interest in steam-powered machines all right but um over time it became a heritage park it gives us the park has a status if it's a heritage park and uh, that allows for the provision of people to set themselves up as mini museums like right. we have done. Okay. And generally speaking, the groups are incorporated societies that are there. Okay. So there's quite a number of um, interesting museums there. Okay. So what, so what sort of societies are, are based there? And Well, we, we have... Um, the Pigeon Valley Steam Museum, which which grow has grown out of Higgins Park because there's traction engines, but rather large steam engines can be seen, including ships' engines actually running on steam. So well, it's quite an ships' engines are pretty ginormous. Yes, aren't they? This, is a, this is a big undertaking, yeah. and uh, the engine that I can recall would come from a reasonably big, uh, probably. A, a ship that plied around our coast, so it would be say fifty me- fifty meters long or yep. whatever. Okay, shorter. that's not mm. a diddy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have the sawmill. So we've got an oh, operating yeah. sawmill which breaks down logs 
into smaller sized pieces of timber and uh, we actually use some of the timber in the park. It's um, it, we sent it away to be treated, and right. the logs are often donated to the sawmill, where they're all separate entities. So we all work in with one another. Okay. Well, are, are there any are there any trailer loads of wood to win? You know, ready for next winter. Sort yes, of thing? that's a good question because we we do have firewood, and that is a fundraiser oh. to help fund the steam engine, which costs about ninety to hundred dollars to fire up. Ooh. So there's a cost whenever that traction engine is fired up, uh, and the funding for that largely comes from firewood. What? Firewood, sir. So if you want to stock up with firewood, either at, at, presumably any time, but uh, or put your order in at the weekend, that's a good. Yes, well, we well, sort of need cause. to be thinking a wee way ahead because green timber takes a while course, to make yeah. it, it useful. Stuff, yeah. to, yes, it's got to be seasoned. The other group is the Rover Car Club. Oh, They're yeah. an incorporated society, and we have a Ray Wynn collection there, which is Bradford vehicles, one of the best in the world. It's an extremely um, interesting collection of Bradford, and, and a lot of us have driven in Bradford vans or had little Bradford trucks over the, uh, over the years, and um, this, this collection is rather good. Couple with that, we've got an army group, and uh, that right. group uh, um, does reenactments. Oh, and yeah. we will have a type of reenactment taking place with our fest, and there will be some live firings of, um, uh, shall we say, LPG um, bangs. They're not <laughs> they're not bullets, but they're bangs. They're bangs, and we have to let all our local uh, residents know that's happening. Wow, okay. We, we'll have, um, so um, that's the army group, and then there's the small machine group, so they they restore little engines, if you like, some of them are like single engines, single cylinders, and twin engines, small engines, and, and there's quite a large collection of those, as well as the tractor group, and there's a large group of tractors. Ah. Of all varieties and ages. So there's kind of something for all tastes for the farming, trucks, communities. Um, yes. Active. So um, f- yeah. then, of course, there's our museum, um, which I'll cover perhaps a little bit later on down the track. But uh, finally, the knife maker. Oh, yeah. Uh, he um, gets in people and trains them how to forge steel and turn out knives and so on and it's cutlery if you like yeah mostly tourists in the past but he's getting quite a lot of interest from locals with that ah yeah no i can remember we took um was at the age where we're taking my kids on holiday and they were sort of you know he's a teenage boy and it's gonna be boring what am i gonna do all the time and we were down the west coast somewhere and then we saw a course where he could make a knife and he was sort of and then uh, he went and made this knife thing and he said at the end of the day that was the most interesting exciting and satisfying satisfying thing i've done in ages and ages it is. It's quite interesting to see a piece of spring steel, which comes from a set of springs out of an older vehicle, being heat treated and then beaten into shape. Yeah. And uh, have its edge honed with a grinder, and then the design of the hasp and the the uh, handle being fitted, 
and the design and, and with a group of say six people all having different designs you'd have ending up with a, a beautiful beautifully finished knife yeah, but no, rather interesting quite a satisfying mm. thing to do I'd imagine so that's a little bit about what's going on at our transport fest that's on a, the first and second yeah of October. that's a that's a lot happening at um, that's a lot being packed in there and of course it would have been a long time coming as it were since we've all not been able to gather for various Yes, it's two and a half years. It's two and a half years since we've been able to run a show. We, um, we've been locked out like many, many people with yeah. the COVID problem, and um, we, because we're dependent on outside support. Yeah. Um, we, our method of keeping the museum that we have running is to run some sort of show every two years right. and that okay. tides us over you can imagine a complex with very large buildings needing insurance and you know yeah all of the um the things that go with keeping buildings and machines and yeah. trucks and vehicles running fuel costs and so on so we're reliant on getting people through the gate yeah but presumably there's also a huge amount of work i would imagine put in by sort of committed volunteers yes we we have a small committee a steering committee but we are very very fortunate in that we've got a loyal bunch of people both men and women who assist us through the week week by week by week and then when the show locks in they come on board with other folk who who get in behind the scenes it's all done voluntarily and it works yeah it's just the goodwill is enormous. Yeah, mm. and uh, to fit that up. so, um, are there going to be uh, sort of cars and bikes there, and other those forms of transport too for people? Yes, to? there'll, there'll be some vintage cars, and we are hoping to get some electric, modern, the latest, as it were. Oh yeah, electric vehicles on display. It'll be what's not been sold, I suppose, that, that we can get out there. Um, <laughs> they might sell it that weekend. They might sell it that weekend. There's one for know. the battery heads. So we've yes. got diesel heads and petrol heads, and then we've got battery, battery yes, heads. Yes, the way the world move, well. is moving, isn't it, with, with electrics? It, we're now yeah. getting electric-powered trucks yep. that are capable of hauling very large loads on battery. So it, the world is evolving in that direction, I suspect. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. And any sort of little personal transport modes or like the electrified bikes or motorbikes and stuff? Or uh, there, there probably won't be any uh, electric motorbikes, but then we're hoping that we might get a display of electric push bikes, the, oh, right, the yeah. battery-powered uh, bikes that, yeah. that are available. So that's... Um, we're hoping that we can we can get someone to yeah. uh, to put one of those or, or some of those on display. Well, if any supplier happens to be listening or something, this could be a good opportunity for them to come in with some electric bikes. Well, you never know. It might be good to have a spin around the block and, and you might sell something. But Absolutely. in any case, um, the, the whole idea of the show is family-oriented and um, something for everybody for all ages yeah hopefully. Well, it sounds like you've got a, a huge amount of variety there which is which is great so mm. yeah so that's um saturday and sunday first and second of october 10 till 4 at uh, higgins 
Heritage, Heritage Park, Park in Wakefield. In, in Wakefield, yes. And now it's Pigeon Valley Road. So Pigeon Valley Road comes up past the fire station and you follow that road and you'll come to the complex. There's a sign on the side of the road. There's yeah. quite a lot of activity about when people are coming in. So you're not going to miss us. You're not going to drive past. No, you'll soon right. see what's happening. That's right. Mm. Look out because it's got the brown um, heritage signs on the road, hasn't it? No, I haven't mentioned direction. the uh, entry fee. So adults oh, yes. are $10 yep. and children under 15, no charge. Right. Okay. That's that's good. That's good. So tell us, because you said the money was going to help your um, the museum there as well. It's one of the things to keep that going. Tell us a little bit more about the the museum aspect. Sure. Well, the transport museum comprises um, vehicles which are f- mainly mainly taken from the local area. The Hino truck, of course, comes uh, from the North Island, but we've tried to take vehicles from our local area, and we've got two trucks that are over 100 years old. Whoa. They are runners. Okay. We, we make sure that our vehicles can all be moved, and uh, often it's just a battery that needs to be placed in them, right. and, and they're mostly all able to be driven. This is not what the towing competition is then, and you're not getting people to shift the trucks around for you because they're... It would be ideal if we could, wouldn't it? Put some rope (laughs) on them and move things around. Would you mind awfully? Yes, that's right. (laughs) But Some of the trucks are a bit heavy for that. The the Hino is probably the heaviest one in the the museum, and it takes up a lot of room too. It's got a trailer sitting on the back. Ah, right. But um, the, uh, the museum is comprising of some vehicles that we own and but quite a number of them are on permanent loan to us and we have agreements with various people companies that will leave the vehicle with us and we put it on display for them and um it's it's sort of uh symbiotic yeah so they they cover their costs but we have something to uh to put on display yeah, no, that's so. So there's a. So how many would we've be got in that about, museum then? We've got about uh, thirty odd vehicles. All oh, right, okay. Some are stored uh, in places other than the museum proper. There's yeah. some stored. Uh, they're in different states of repair. We're doing a restoration at the moment for Solly's trucks or Solly's um, transport. Oh, yeah, Golden and, and that's a very early model truck, one of their first trucks, not the first, but one of the early trucks All that right. they. What? How old are they? What's that? It's a, yeah, a 1929 OLB wow. Bedford. So they're almost coming up for their centenary then. Yes, thing, yes, it's probably. That's that, quite I'll something. be thinking about that. Yeah, so it's it's really quite an elderly truck, and we're doing the restoration for them. And um, they look after us. Right. So I think that's the best way of describing that. That's good. Yeah. But we also, it keeps our band of merry men busy, uh, along with all the other jobs that they have to do. Yeah. So we we almost sound like a men's shed when you're describing what happens, but there's quite a large number of women folk that help our treasurer right. and our secretary um, and our... Uh, the person who does all of the organising organizing for the show are all women folk. Right. And uh, 
they they bring a sort of a levelness to uh, our exuberance, <laughs> <laughs> especially some, some when we want realism. Especially the, the treasure when we want to buy something expensive. <laughs> Sorry, boys, but you can't have that. You know, not not not, not that particular toy. No, 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 not that one. And and they're also good at tidying up cigarette burns and stuff by the sound of it well we we're very fortunate we don't have anybody that really smokes but uh, the the museum itself is um it's 16 or 17 years in the making and uh there's a very loyal group of guys that that come out and work do work around Higgins Park, for instance. That's not part of the museum, but right. we work symbionically with other groups, so that we all are one uh, with one direction to benefit each nice. other and to uh, pull together. So there'll be people with other groups, for instance, the um, the military group, are sort of putting on a bit of a show for us. There's going to be. The milit- the true army will be there, right? And uh, the, when I say the true army, the the army proper. Right. Uh, so they paid, paid they up will, squaddies and yeah. There's a group, and the police will put in an appearance for us, and also the fire service are going to do a rescue uh, out of a. Uh, oh, a, right. a They'll cut somebody out of a car for us. So there's lots of things happening. Hope they get the right car. Yes, <laughs> certainly hope it's not somebody's uh, Daimler or something. No, I, c- I can see a challenge here on this towing competition between the fire, police and army potentially here. about. Yeah, who, I, I, I don't think we better include that. They're, they're too much, um, uh, they're so prized to, to be able to get them to come along. We don't want to exert them too much. No, fair point, fair point, mm. yeah. Okay, well that's that's great if they're doing um, live demos as well because that's, yes. that's a whole other um Yes, the the, um, the army uh, will probably do a little bit of recruiting if there's anybody oh, yeah. interested. So uh, they're always looking for new yeah. people to join the, the armed forces now because the recruiting is right across the board for Navy, for Air Force and for Army. Yeah, okay, so that's good. They're putting in an appearance. Mm. Okay, so there's about 30, 30 sort of sizable or vehicles of different vintages and types on the... Uh, in the museum itself, yes, the, the, the we also have um, a, an extremely good library of pictures of companies, uh, and they're all displayed around the walls. And it shows companies that were in the fledgling stage and then morphed into larger companies like uh. TNL, which has now gone to move a new company. And we have, um, it's like a big book. You can open it up and see photos and Uh. click back to the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And there's about, from memory, about 10 of those little libraries with pictures, uh, which we are going to have to uh, photograph very soon and send them off to the cloud so that we can, because some of the photos are actually colouring up. But that's... A record of local industry, transport industry, which would be otherwise not taken yeah. any care with. Yeah. So we we've taken that on board. And I mean, there's there's so much stuff on the internet now that anybody can kind of see, but there's nothing quite like coming along and touching something in the metal or hearing the noise. True. It makes, or you know, in terms of families bonding over. Oh, I my 
dad used to drive around in one yes. of those or my mum was it driving all that the time. and it's sort of well i didn't know that and it, yeah it's a great sort of family get together a bit of family history as well to uncover presently i'm restoring what is called a j1 bedford it's a 1977 model but everybody drove a j1 as they are commonly called which was a bedford truck right. the lighter version not the lightest but one of the lighter trucks and um, everybody drove one. Oh, I drove one of these, and they walk through the museum. Oh, I've got my license in one of these. It's rather interesting to hear the comments. And so th- that goes for truck drivers who come through our museum and they see a truck. Oh, heck, this belonged to Stan. So, and, and they'll <laughs> name the person did, yeah. because they're wow. local trucks. That's mm. wow, and that's that's the that's the great thing yes. that local trucks, local companies, and yeah. Mm. So that's a bit about our museum. It's not all there is to know, but um, we we have a um, a little studio with with the capability of giving video shows of once again trucking operations and other things relating to the transport industry. Right. No. Well, that's great. If because uh, we're going well, presumably. Um, I think you said seventy. So. 50 years or nearly 50 mm. years that's testimony to those who've put the effort and commitment into making that happen so that's great i thought i was but actually we were talking earlier weren't we because of course um a few years ago there was the um horrendous fire around the near the wakefield area with the fire uh and stuff and uh did that did that get close to the Yes, yes, we we were threatened by it. We had to close our museum proper. The the whole of Higgins Park was shut down. And we had to leave the area because there was a danger of the fire taking taking over in the museum. So the forest, there's a forest that grows down the back of the museum. Uh, it's separated by a small river that flows around the edge of the museum. Right. So th- we we were told to get out of there to shut shop, and and we weren't allowed back. And that is interesting that you mention that because this next um, transport show that we're having on the first and the second of October, let me yep. say again, absolutely, uh, has a very large. A blaze, it's called a blaze. In other words, something is a blaze. A right. blaze exhibition right. showing uh, a staged process from the lighter side of the fire to the to the full monty of the fire, and that will be uh, in the form of photographs which which stand quite high. They stand about a meter and a half high, and that right. will be displayed at the back of our museum for the public to come and have a look at okay so, so that's a real bit of recent history that it is, a lot of indeed. people would have mm. felt the so we we thought that would be interesting to people to actually be yeah. able to have a look at that okay because that's yeah because obviously that was a pretty big local event um mm. a few years back so that's that would be interesting to another see of our uh, exhibits that we have is we have a gentleman by the name of Jack Shuttleworth who, along with some of his colleagues, developed some very unique engines, which there's none other like in the world. A okay. different type of construction to the standard um, 
uh, type of engines that we have in our vehicles now and uh, the the whole construction which is actually <coughs> excuse me it um, the four-stroke engine yeah uh, has a certain operation which has a crankshaft and uh, con rods and pistons this thing had pistons but uh, the operation it really didn't have a crankshaft it had a gear and it's a bit hard to explain on the radio but those engines are there for people to have a look at along with the pictures of it being tested and it was a remarkable sort of engine I've seen it running phenomenal mm-hmm. I think the production costs for it would have been pretty high and that's why it probably never took off but it's the only one like it in the world so oh, so, ver- so when did he develop he, he developed then? it over a period of uh, several years and he experimented with running engines on um, what would you say oils that you use for cooking cooking oils for oh, instance right. and alternative okay. fuels because i was going to ask what was the sort of behind the development yeah, it was, was it? to use alternative fuels essentially but the tests that he ha- had for some of the engines was on uh, gas and ordinary fuels as well when i say gas lpg yeah um he, he tried his hand at a whole lot of things so uh, the science of it is actually quite remarkable, but hard to get you. Okay, so if you've got an engineering bent, then that, yeah, that's that, something that would interest with. somebody who was yeah. who was an engineer because it defies description how it would work. <laughs> but there's a, um, a, a a DVD you can view to see that it does actually go right, mm. and using lighter, a lighter, more uh, friendly lighter fuels fuel. as well. Mm. By the sound of it, that's interesting. The other idea, I think, was conservation. He had a conservation in mind. The weight of the engine would be slightly lighter. Yeah, uh, they were f- five cylinders, efficient. but horizontally opposed. Oh, so like a, a V five then? Or no, it wasn't no? a V shape, but they were horizontal. circular in in shape with the pistons around Whoa, divided okay. equally around the. A, a, a centre so that was quite a, a remarkable engine it fascinated me and I haven't had a chance to fully understand it because we've only just taken it on, made a stand for it and put it on show ah. So is it, it, is it working as such? No or? it won't be running but it we do be. have some running engines, one of which when it starts up we'll probably want to put earmuffs on <laughs> <laughs> V12 or V16 or something or what, well who knows but yes that sounds interesting. Yes, yes. everybody engine. loves to hear a loud noise that they come running. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, okay, so that's, that's yeah, it sounds like a huge amount going on at Transport Fest mm. then at Higgins Park in uh, 1st and 2nd of October. Right, so we've got, so we've only got 20 minutes left now. Goodness that's, me. That's, you see, time, time flies, time flies. So... I wanted in the last bit of the show then to find out a little bit about uh, you and your background because you, Keith, have a background in the transport. Well, yes, the transport sector yourself. Yes, I do. Um, it, I think my interest in motor vehicles has starts from a very young age where my um, stepfather allowed me to take a little Bradford truck or van and turned it into a truck, which is what I did. Wow! And um, had a few design 
problems with it when I didn't allow for much room for the tummy under the steering wheel when I put the cab on. But nevertheless, that was my f- introduction to um, motor vehicles. And so so I, most of us were playing with balsa wood planes. You were building a truck. I was, indeed. And okay. it was a Bradford at that. And uh, the Bradford um, chappy at the museum is always interested in my little conversation. But that was my start for motor vehicles, and I became a mechanic and qualified. Um, but decided that I would do something different and um, I went into the Ministry of Transport or was Transport Department as it was called then. So oh. I became a traffic officer. Oh. Yes. Were you so also at the black and white? Stand? I was. Oh. I reached into the black and white department. and That's right. Uh, Stop groaning, listener. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the interesting thing is my father, who was a senior traffic officer here, suggested that I do that, take... Um, uh, right. take that path and uh, I did for quite some time and, and actually quite enjoyed it but um, my interest was in education and it always had been in teaching Yeah. so um, I left that and went into secondary teaching ah right, mm. ok so, um, so I have been a driver trainer um, but only ever as an adjunct to my employment, but I've been a driver trainer for a very long time, and um, my driver training started just by accident when someone said, would I mind teaching their wife to drive? They were always arguing about something, so, uh, (laughs) and that happened several times, and so the word spread in the small town that I was living, would I teach their wife to drive or their son to drive, and that was before you had to be yeah. registered ah, as, right. as a driver's um, trainer. Right. But there was never enough money in it to do it full-time because parents always felt that they were good teachers and they would teach yes. their kids to drive. And driving lessons yeah, can take quite them. a chunk, can't they? But they it, can, it can be a very emotive topic in families. Quite a lot of conflict between, you know, dads and daughters or mothers and sons and yes. I'm not going out with you again you don't listen well you don't explain just, yes there's what? a tension that happens but if you've got a neutral person who's sitting yep. in the passenger seat training someone to drive it does change the dynamic a yes bit. Hmm. so yes you probably saved a few family disruptions and dysfunctions I, so. I should think and stuff in your so who knows it might well be people listening and say oh I've they might have been given a speeding ticket by you, or they might have been uh, trained to drive a car by no, you. No, it's probably not so, because all of the work that I have done as a driver trainer and and um, a tra- as a traffic officer has been out of the district. Ah, right. But I okay. did meet someone who had been tested by my father. And they, uh, they oh, said wow. Because Dad was located here in Nelson for right. a long time as a senior traffic officer, but before that... Um, he would have done driver's testing in Blenheim because he got promoted from Blenheim to right. Nelson. But the uh, occasionally I'll find someone who has been taught by, has been taken for their licence, which is a positive sort of... <laughs> driver's licence were very positive yep. things. You, you, I enjoyed driver's testing and did a lot of driver's testing and uh, particularly the over-70s because there was a time in our history where you, if you reached... 70 you had to be given a practical driver's test ah, and so we took the over 70s interesting on the 30th of june that was the expiry date for all this over anyone over 70 
right. so 71, 72, and then at a certain point in time, they yeah. generally gave up themselves. Because one of the topics that we've been discussing with other guests on, on the sort of whole general theme of road safety is sort of driver education, and should there be more retesting of people either at a certain age or after a certain time because at the moment i think it's right isn't it you you just basically have your do your strict to get your full license that's it there's no more unless they're medical ones there's no further tests or yes. for, for whatever and it's sort of well should there be should there be refresher courses for everyone to see how they're doing should there be retesting should the, what, what what's it's your opinion on that one? you uh, the the interesting thing presently is that uh, if you reach my age and older and your driving is beginning to deteriorate, um, you have to have a medical. And if the GP picks up that you can't remember something or that your eyesight's failing or that your, um, yeah. your medical condition is not the best they can recommend oh, that you okay. don't renew your licence so it falls funnily enough in the province of the GP Health to decide whether okay. someone's fit to drive but apart from that there's no further testing no. other than the renewing of your driver's licence No. so uh, what, what do you think about because I mean we can pick up bad habits kind of very Easily, because you know, some of us. The last time we were assessed by a professional driving instructor or something was when we passed our test when we were seventeen, eighteen, or yes. whatever. And that's you've had thirty, forty the, years of the, goodness um, knows what. Shall we say the respectability of getting a driving instructor to take your child or to take driving lessons from a, an instructor has has gained momentum. But I've always been under the impression that there are large numbers of people, actually my age and slightly younger, who were taught by parents and who never really got the finer points of identifying hazards or um, they've gone through their whole lifetime with never having had a serious crash, but that they've never really been properly trained what might happen if they had had a sudden stop yeah, they've never encountered it. They might have been in accidents, but they were never really prepared for and given proper training. It was dad who taught them to drive, or or they learned on the farm. Yeah, and so on. So we could get driver's licenses up until about 1975 quite easily. Yeah, the theory was reasonably simple. Um, and then it started to tighten up. We had a standardised driving test and that made it a little bit harder to get your driving test but only a little bit yeah because i mean mum and dads are often teaching the um whanau how to dr- how to pass the driving test as it were not not necessarily how to drive safely and get all the skills and it's it's, it's not you need it's for not life, quite as simple as that because any examiner now will be required to try your skills in the town and then take out on the open road and any good examiner will sense straight away whether oh, this person okay. is ready or not okay and um, you become pretty uh, tuned to who should and who shouldn't but there is a sort of a 
a, a means of checking the, uh, the response and the capability of a driver when you've got them out on the road and their faults will show up. They'll very quickly fail if those faults are serious enough. Okay. Okay. So that the um, the system is not wanting, um, but I think the attitudes of some of the new drivers changes after having got their license. The confidence builds, and they st- they may become good drivers, or they may become. Uh, overconfident and do silly yes. things. Testosterone gets in the way of some new drivers. Yes, so that's a problem. Yes, um, and sometimes yes, because you only get the sometimes you only get the one chance to get it right, or mm. uh, the consequences of getting it wrong can be pretty horrendous. It, it is a privilege to drive. I've always felt it's a privilege, and also we need to be uh, less selfish in how we operate our vehicles often people will open a car door in the face of an oncoming car without much thought yeah or they'll pull into the traffic flow when if they'd waited five seconds eight seconds there was a big space behind the car they made slow up yeah there there, there is something about the psyche changing when we get in our cut-off metal boxes yes kind of thing and that we, we wouldn't do in a supermarket yeah, queue or something, and yeah, it's very easy to watch people using the phone. Yeah, you, know, you can see that happening all the time, and we know that that's a, a major problem. Uh, I've often thought that the confiscation of the phone might be more effective than anything else for a twenty-eight days. Yes, that's probably not a bad idea, and I think um, Waka um, Kotahi are looking at uh, I think is it cameras that can identify mm. when drivers are using phones in the car yes. and things yes, so yeah that, that, but there are quite serious crashes occurring and I've seen people myself with their head down texting when they should be driving yeah that is, that's a bit scary that, that's very scary isn't it because you kind of get away with it once and then you get away with it again and then you well, get away with again and then but then one time that's right. One time a pedestrian is going to be crossing the road and you haven't seen them. Yes. But um, in the main, uh, I think that if you look closely at um, Nelson, probably the most common thing is failing to signal. Yeah. No, I think, yes. Yes. That, that's a common thing. And the use of phones, of course. But uh, one can get on the bandwagon of, of dislikes but I think if we can be courteous, if we can be mindful of traffic flow, that you can help traffic flow. You see people dropping off their kids at school. They're locked in. They've got a signal for they want to get away. Let them in. Yeah. Move the traffic yourself. Become your own traffic cop and help people out. Um, yeah, it's all part of the courtesy thing. Indicating the, is all yeah. part of the courtesy thing, telling people what you're doing, giving them extra time to plan. All Correct. That. Years and years ago, the Lions Club uh, put a program out for drivers, and the catchword was "Courtesy is contagious," and it was very successful. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. I have to start re-promoting that on the show. Courtesy is contagious. Yes, that's nice. Yeah, pass it on. Mm. Pass it on rather than 
pass on the grumpiness or the short-temperedness or the impatience true which puts everybody in a bad mood when that happens now that's really good keith thank you for that so in the last eight minutes light going up to the lighter side of driving i wondered if in your history of driving instruction you had any funny or uh unusual episodes that may have you may have encountered i can think of a number of things when i was um stationed in waimari in christchurch um, there was a city council traffic department Uh, as opposed to the ministry of transport or transport department the local authority had their own traffic cops and so one of these traffic cops took a lady for a driver's test and asked her to do a three-point turn by the Avon River, whereupon she backed her car completely into the river, which no. was quite shallow. <laughs> and uh, she, the cartoon says, uh, shows that as she turns to the traffic officer, who is bem- slightly bemused, uh, I suppose this means I've failed my test. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, one of they the went in the right way up, I'm presuming. They didn't. Uh, well, yeah, so ju- they just backed in nicely just off over the nicely. bank and into the, <laughs> into, the, into the Avon. My test papers are now soggy. Thank you. Correct. Um, one of the women that I uh, was training to drive, um, I lived in Fitianga at this point, and I would go across to Coromandel Town, and there was a Japanese lady whom people had said she's, she needs um, testing, uh, but she hasn't done much driver she hasn't had any driver training would you train her right so anyway she engaged me to train her and um i had quite a new car and the ignition was over on the right hand side yeah. and as she would get the car up to 100 kilometers an hour she would reach down and turn the key off no so that meant no engine, no, very few brakes, and no steering. No power steering, no And no. one of the things you must <laughs> never do in a car when you're training someone to drive is touch a female in any way, shape, or form. But it was no. necessary to turn the key back on, I can tell you. And so this is 100 k's and you've got nothing. At 100 k's an hour, it seemed to frighten her when the speedo read a 100. And she just went and turned it off. She would turn the key off. And often it was on a bend or someplace else, so I had to be quick-witted. So my strategy when I took her to drive uh, for, for driver training uh, was to run duct tape all around the key. <laughs> so she couldn't turn it off. Finally, I got her out of the habit. She passed her test, but the examiner said that she wasn't all that good, but he th- thought that she would become better. Um, but so, I left it in the examiner's hands. I told him to be careful that so she, she had this habit. But she So she kind of did it because getting up that fast kind of freaked it her freaked out. freaked her out, so she would turn the key off. I need it to stop now, so I'm going to turn it. Yes, she was a seamstress, made magnificent clothing, but her language, her, her English right. was a second language. Right. Very hard for her I've to understand. I've never heard of anybody doing that. It's that unreal. is indeed a unique story, mm. that one. Mm. Whoa. Okay, yeah. So, so it, was, it was frightening. Well, it wasn't frightening. I just was, une- it was unexpected. I, c- I can see, well, most driving instructors must have a calm and uh, unflappable kind of demeanour. But how, yeah, trying to remain calm in that situation. That yes. sounds, uh, so that 
the the interesting thing was I did train a woman who was 84 wow. to drive and her husband had passed away and she was never allowed to drive the car. He wouldn't let oh. her drive it. Oh. So she decided, well, blow it, I'm going to learn to drive. So I Brilliant. taught her to drive. She needed it for church and that's what she did. She Brilliant. drove to church and she drove home again. And so and she got her test at 84? She got her test at 84. Wow. Yeah. I don't Respect know that she her. was all that good a driver. I would see her around sometimes. And I thought to myself, she shouldn't really be backing in there uh, <laughs> at that angle. <laughs> but Maybe she's had some higher help yes. looking after her guardian angels. Yeah, so th- th- those, those are one or two of the small incidents. Um, yeah, no, that's, incidents that that's great. Mm. So, I mean, how many people do you reckon you've got through the test over your time or? i i really don't know i i've no. never kept a record of it but it would it would be 50 50 i would have tested as many as i have trained all right because okay. oh because you did actual testing i well. did the actual testing ah mm. right okay and that was when i was in the ministry of transport so right that's yeah. quite a responsibility. So you were both loved and revered and equal measure. <laughs> Not about loved and revered. <laughs> well, Any, sorry, anything in a black and white car sorry, wasn't revered. Loved and reviled in terms of right. You yes, that's about me. the size of it. Yes. But uh, people me. call for the black and whites to come back. It's rather interesting. The black ah. and white car, the traffic cop, the bloke that can get out and, and stand on the side of the road and you know watch peak traffic going past and yep. um, get out and put his white gloves on and direct a, a mix-up of traffic if there's been a crash and, and that type of thing. Um, yeah. And But it's it's a mission impossible politically. Yes, I guess it's the the cost and the person power and well, all that Well, we do have traffic stuff, cops, but I don't think we've got enough. No, I suspect. Mm. Suspect not. And uh, yes, because uh, you see on the forum sometimes in calls, of, well, if, if they're more visible, maybe drivers would behave better i don't think it's that i think it's that they're out there you see um how often do we see somebody supervising a stop sign how often do we oh, see someone right, supervising yes. traffic lights yeah a roundabout and uh we we see traffic office, police officers checking i was part of a, a test quite recently where at four o'clock in the afternoon they were testing for alcohol well um there'll be alcohol out there for the alcoholic probably not so much as if you tested at nine or ten in the evening there's a difference yeah Mm. but i'm not criticizing that's their system and um, we we certainly need our police we've got a very good police force in nelson no Mm. that's great that's great right well keith we are out of time which is a real shame because we've covered it and i'm sure there's more to that we could have talked about but thank you very much just a reminder folks transport fest first and second of october uh first weekend in october 10 till 4 wakefield at the higgins heritage park do come and see all the activities going we have been drive alive here on fresh fm thank you for listening see you in a fortnight The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.